It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's not often that you get a parliamentary vote that can change the fate and character of a nation. On Monday, Israel held one of those votes. And Israelis across the country took to the streets in anger. The government had pushed through a controversial bill which would give them even more power by stopping the Supreme Court from challenging the laws they made. It's led to furious riots as some Israelis claim their country is slipping into dictatorship. We are going into a civil war now. The government of Israel declared war on the people of Israel this is a major threat to the basic identity of what Israel is supposed to be. How did the passing of one bill bring Israel to the brink? And with a constitutional crisis looming over the country, what happens next? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, is Israel on course to become a dictatorship? I'm Angel Pfeffer and I'm a correspondent in Jerusalem. Angel, take us back to the weekend, take us back to Sunday. Benjamin Netanyahu is in hospital having a pacemaker fitted and he's getting some important visits. He's getting a lot of warnings from a lot of important people in Israel. What happened? So the whole weekend was sort of a peak of both protests against the government. There was a massive march, a four-day march from Tel Aviv up to Jerusalem with tens of thousands of Israelis uh, who were against uh, Netanyahu's plans to weaken the Supreme Court. There was open letters coming out from all types of officers saying that they wouldn't continue serving their, their reserve duty in the Israeli in the army. If, uh, in the military, yes. If the, if the law passed, there was a, a letter of over 100 former generals, Mossad chiefs, intelligence chiefs, police chiefs, so many of the top, top brass of Israel 
warning against the implications of the legislation. And while all that was happening, Netanyahu had been rushed on Saturday night to hospital all of a sudden to have a pacemaker fitted. And while he was in hospital, he was getting some of these briefings. The president, who had returned from a trip to the United States where he met with Joe Biden, who also warned against this legislation, came to speak to him. So everything really was coming to a head. At the same time, from the government, from the coalition, we were hearing ministers saying there was no way that they would back down. And it was, it was quite a tense uh, weekend in Jerusalem. Give us a sense of why this bill has been so controversial, why so many of the great and good in Israel and abroad and so many ordinary people are out protesting on the streets. What is it about this bill? What does it do? So before we go into the legal minutiae of this specific bill, it's not just about one law about one vote. It's about an entire program of what the Netanyahu government calls legal reform, which is essentially a series of laws designed at weakening, limiting the powers of the Supreme Court. They claim it's to reestablish a balance between the powers in Israel. But many, many Israelis see this as an attempt by the government to basically immunize itself from judicial scrutiny and basically grab as much power as it can without checks and balances. And in Israel, there is no written constitution. There's no Bill of Rights. There's only one House of Parliament, the Knesset, which is controlled largely by the government. So the Supreme Mm. Court is the only check on the government's power. So many, many Israelis feel this is a major erosion of democracy. Now, the specific law that was brought to the Knesset to its final reading on Monday is there to almost eliminate something called the reasonable standard, which is actually something which originated. So the reasonable standard is actually a concept, legal concept, that emerged in English law at the end of the 19th century and exists in different countries in different ways. Is this all our fault? Uh, Well, many things are Britain's fault, but the court has a role to protect minorities, to protect civil rights and so on from the government when the judges feel they need to act. Legal experts have argued for many years over what kind of power a Supreme Court, a constitutional court, any kind of court which can hold the government to account. What kind of power should it have when it comes to ruling on government decisions which aren't necessarily or clearly against a law, but they do seem to be extremely egregious and Because the idea of reasonableness is not something that can be easily defined, it does anger governments. And in this case, Israeli government has decided to use legislation to totally deny the Supreme Court of Israel the use of that legal tool. Of course, you have to have a strong court. No one doubts that. But the question is, who's going to make the policies of the country? Is it going to be a small group of people or is it going to be the people by their representatives? So this is basically the proponents of the bill, the government saying reasonableness is is too vague a term to allow the Supreme Court to rule on our laws. And who are you, the Supreme Court judges, to put your idea of what is reasonable above our idea, we, the, the elected representatives of the people? Back in March, you put this on hold because you said you wanted to prevent a rift in the country and avoid a civil war. So why go forward now? Well, because I think we have to... Uh bring back Israeli democracy in line with what is common to all democracies. That's been taken off the rails in Israel in the last 20 years because the we have the most activist judicial court on the planet, and it's arrogated for itself powers from the government, from the executive, and the legislative branches. So we've tried, we're trying to correct it. 
it's a minor correction. It's described as the end of Israeli democracy. I think that's silly. And when the dust settles, everybody... And the key thing here is, as you said, and I think people who aren't in Israel probably just need this reiterated, is just the, the point that there is no second chamber. There's no House of Lords. There's no Senate. There's no other body. Or constitution, no constitution. of the rights, yes. So the only check and balance on government in Israel is the Supreme Court. And now they would have their hands tied. And once again, this is just one law of a number of laws aimed at different powers of the Supreme Court and also at the system whereby Supreme Court judges are appointed. So some legal experts who are against the reasonable standard and say it is too vague and and it's wrong for the courts to use it to any major extent are also against the legislation because they see this as part of something wider. So a number of professors who I've spoken to, some of them are actually themselves on the streets protesting, are saying in a different context we would have supported some way of limiting this, this standard. We don't trust the government's intentions here when it goes about abolishing these powers of the Supreme Court. And Angela, I suppose we've got two things happening here. The first is this massive legal change, which would be a constitutional change for whoever is in government coming up in the future. They would just have far more power. And you've got people on the streets saying Israel is turning into a dictatorship. On the other hand, there's also people who are clearly worried about what it would mean for this particular government and the sort of policies that they might be able to push through if the Supreme Court can't stop them. Give us a sense of that. I mean, what what are people most afraid of? Well, it's a number of things. The fact that this government, its majority is reliant on far-right parties, on ultra-religious parties. This is the Netanyahu government, but Netanyahu is not really in control because he has no other options but this coalition. For those who don't know Israel... Israel's parliament is elected by a proportional representation system and therefore there is never one party which can form a government on its own. It always needs some smaller parties. So with a government reliant on on quite extreme parties, the idea of, <laughs> of this government also giving itself almost unlimited powers is very worrisome to many Israelis. We know the views of some of the ministers in this government. We know they're very radical when it comes to Israel-Palestine conflict. We know that there are plans to change the regulation of, of the press in Israel. There are a lot of things that are very worrying. We know that people are already out protesting in huge numbers. Do we have a sense from any polling yet of just how worried people are across Israel? How is this bill being viewed? Yeah, so the poll that was broadcast like one of the main Israeli television channels, it seems that the majority of Israelis are now against these plans. 62% of Israelis against the government passing this unilaterally. Only 22% said that they want the government to pass these laws regardless, even if there is no broader consensus beyond the coalition. So it does seem that the Israeli public, which just nine months ago, elected this government is very much against the government's main policy. So, Anshul, you you described the scene on Sunday, Netanyahu in hospital, warnings coming from the great and the good. Within 24 hours, Netanyahu has held the vote. It's gone through, it's been passed, and the country is up in arms. Just describe the sort of scenes that have been playing out in Israel this week. Well, first of all, on the day of the vote, this is the vote of the last reading, which passes it into law. <laughs> I was only released in the morning from hospital. Within a couple of hours, we were suddenly being told that 
All the talks that were going on looking for some kind of compromise had, had failed, and Netanyahu was on his way to the parliament, to the Knesset in Jerusalem. And the vote was going to be held actually earlier than we expected. And there were already thousands, at some point tens of thousands of people protesting outside the Knesset. trying to do our best in order to protect democracy in our country. This is the most important thing I have done in all my life. It was a very intense atmosphere because there's a lot of slogans and singing. It was just a, a, a ceaseless din of people shouting and blowing trumpets and vuvuzelas. And, and I mean, it was almost as if everybody was shouting with one voice for long periods of time. Inside the Knesset, the vote was going on and nothing could stop it. But actually, what was happening was inside, there was until the very last minute lobbying. At one point, we could see ministers actually arguing between themselves over Netanyahu's head while he kind of sat back glumly. I mean, that's that's a remarkable image. Yes, I mean, it really is a very striking uh, picture. And there were just, there was chanting across the Knesset. Well, this is one of the main chants of the protest that they shout, shame. And before leaving the last vote in in protest, the opposition chanted shame as the protesters were doing outside. So the the opposition, they decided as a protest against what they claim is a a dictatorship law, there's no point even even voting, so the entire opposition left the Knesset Hall just for that final vote. The results are as follows. 64 in favour, no objections, no abstainers. Fundamental law amendment number four has passed in the third reading and is written into the Book of Laws. As the vote went through, within hours you've got water cannon on the streets. The scenes looked phenomenal, it looked incredibly tense, it was violent, people were clearly furious. Who were the sort of people who were out protesting? You know, is this sort of just the young? Is it just a particular section of society? Who who is it that's taking to the streets? I think that the the clashes itself is usually young people, but in the much larger protests, you see a, a, a huge range of ages. You see many veterans and Israelis who who served in all of Israel's wars going back 75 years. You see people in their 90s and even older than that, Holocaust survivors, people who are founders of, of the Israeli state. And many grandparents there tell me that they're there for their grandkids, that they want to see their grandkids continuing to live in a democracy. I mean, the talk here is that, as you know, Israel's been through many wars, but Some of the people in the streets are saying, for us, this is a more fateful, more dangerous moment than the worst of the wars that we've fought in during our lifetimes. And at the same time, you know, you described how in the run up to the vote, there was lots of objections from the the military, from reservist officers, from Mossad chiefs. What's the reaction been like within the military? So you have to remember that the Israeli military is not just conscripts and career officers. It, it's based in, in in a major way on reservists. So we've seen 
various numbers in the thousands, perhaps even tens of thousands of officers saying that they'll stop turning up for this reserve duty. The army is still saying that we're ready for any mission that we'll have to carry out. But at the same time, we're, I, I am hearing from a lot of senior Israeli officers that they are very concerned that the readiness for missions is, is being impaired. I mean, it's a very emotional moment for an Israeli who has spent 20 or 30 years as a reserve soldier or officer. It's a central part of their identity, but it's part of Israeli culture. And the idea that for political reasons, so many of them would say, well, we can't carry on anymore because we feel that we are on the, on the brink of having to serve under a dictatorship. It's really was inconceivable until just a few months ago in Israel. I mean, are they saying words like dictatorship? Do they feel like... That's what they're, they're both saying in conversations and interviews. And in some of the open letters they've signed, that we, we won't serve under dictatorship. Coming up, Israel's former prime minister warns that the country is heading for civil war. Just how bad could it get? That's in just a moment. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Anshul, going back to the moment that vote went through, you described earlier just the scene of Netanyahu sat between ministers who are shouting at each other over him. He ends up looking very weak as that vote is, is being debated and passed. We should point out that he has openly opposed this sort of bill in the past. What made him push it through now? Well, there are two reasons. Obviously, we can't get into Netanyahu's head, but there are two possible reasons. I think both are playing a role here. There's his own personal legal predicament. He is currently on trial for bribery and fraud in the Jerusalem District Court. He obviously strenuously denies the allegations, but this, this trial has been going on for three years. And if, if he is convicted, he could face, he could face time in jail. 
So that, I think, is one of the motives. But there's also the political motive. He is now in, back in power. He was out of power for a year and a half. He managed to win the last election. But he would never have done that without the support of these far-right and religious parties who have an ideological animus against the Supreme Court. Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu is returning to power for a record sixth time as his government is sworn in this morning. This is being described as Israel's most far-right government since the country was established back in 1948. That's because Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has now aligned himself with nationalist and orthodox parties targeting Palestinians, Jews who are non-orthodox, women to prevent them from serving in the military alongside men, and the LGBTQ community. But despite the protests, the judicial overhaul moving forward. Overnight, Parliament voting to bar the Supreme Court from deeming Netanyahu unfit for office because of the criminal corruption charges against him, allegations he denies. It's true that he in the past has made a point of how much he believes in liberal democracy and strength of the courts, but that was then, and now he is beholden to the most radical elements within his political camp, and that's why he, he, he doesn't just look weak, he is weak. I mean, you've studied him for years. You've written about him for, for years. Is there a sense, I mean, is he being held hostage here? And is he a man who's sort of lost control? I don't think he controls his government. I wouldn't call him a hostage because this is an agreement that he he engaged in of his own free will. He could have decided that the price was too high yeah. and not become prime minister again or tried to form another government. He decided to, to form this government. He opened this deal with the far right with, with open-eyed, he knew exactly what he was getting into. Perhaps he didn't anticipate, probably didn't anticipate the level of, of protest and the implications that it would have. But yes, he is weak and he's not in control of this government, but he's not a hostage. He put himself in that position. And just remind us, how did the right get to hold the balance of power in Israel? I mean, what's changed? There is some effects from, uh, I think, from what happened in May 2021, when there was a widespread rioting in mixed Arab-Israeli towns. Many Israelis, many Jewish Israelis still feel vulnerable, and the far right was promising that they would restore order. That's obviously not something that they're capable of doing, but those were the slogans. So I think a large number of Israelis who did vote for the far right in the last election, that swayed them. But it is largely due to the fact that in the Israeli political system, where every aspiring prime minister needs to build a coalition. It's, you know, the, it, it's a jigsaw puzzle. In the past, the far-right pieces in this puzzle were not to be used. The, go the governments, including right-wing governments, didn't include far-right parties in their coalitions. Mm -hmm. But Netanyahu, because of his legal predicament, because of the fact that the centrist parties, which would in the past consider joining a coalition under him, even if they didn't like him very much, have now said that they won't sit in, in a government led by a prime minister facing criminal charges, has basically left Netanyahu only with the far right. And this is a choice between either having power with the far right or not having power. And Netanyahu yeah. always chooses to have power. And Angel, what happens next with this bill now? Has it passed full stop? Is it now the law? What happens? So it is the law, but the, the Supreme Court still does have some legal tools at its disposal, and there are already petitions piling up from civil rights groups, from opposition parties, against this law. So this, the Supreme Court will have to rule on it in, in due course. And that could be another explosive moment 
if and when the Supreme Court rules that this law, which is intended to limit the court's own powers, is unconstitutional, who will who will Israel listen to? Will Israel listen to its court or will it listen to its government? I mean, this is the definition of a constitutional crisis. That's one thing that could happen within perhaps weeks. And even if it doesn't happen, this is just one law in an entire plan of the coalition. And when the Knesset reconvenes in October, if the next series of laws are brought then to the Knesset, then we'll see more scenes of chaos here in Israel and I think more social breakdown. Where does all of this end? Where does it end for Netanyahu? You know, you'd said he's done this in order to cling on to power and to stay out of jail. Will it work? I can't predict whether it's going to work in Netanyahu's own case. But I think that what we're seeing here is Netanyahu becoming less and less relevant to what's happening. Different parts of Israeli society are opposed to each other, not just over the details of how powerful should the Supreme Court be and how independent should it be. But we're talking here about much deeper things of, of, of Israel's character, whether Israel is the kind of liberal democracy that it at least aspired to be and that, that its founders wanted it to be, and many Israelis still feel it should be, and the kind of Israel that the parties are currently in government and their supporters, and let's not forget, it's not just this tiny group that these parties do have support. There is certainly a large part of Israel, if not half of it, which supports some of these things and is less interested perhaps in democratic values and Mm. have a different definition of the way the Jewish state should be. And what we're seeing here is the battle between these parts of Israel. Netanyahu is is a proxy in this battle. And even if he were to to disappear from from the political stage at some point, I don't think this is necessarily going to go away. This is probably going to define Israel for years to come. One of Netanyahu's predecessors as Prime Minister, Ehud Olmert, has come out in interviews saying that the country could be heading for civil war. We are going into a um, civil war now. A civil war. Civil war? The dip- yeah, I mean, uh, uh, civil disobedience uh, with all the possible uh, ramifications to the stability of the state and to the ability of the government to perform and to the obedience of the uh, large part of the Israeli population uh, to a government which is perceived by a large part of the population to be illegitimate. I uh, will leave this uh, uh, interview and go to the street. Is that how it feels? I mean, I don't think Israel's heading for that, at least not in the foreseeable future, but in the sense that large parts of the country, of its establishment, of its security establishment, are increasingly sceptical of of what they're hearing from the government. And at some point may have to ask themselves, the generals and the heads of Mossad may have to ask themselves at some point, do we take orders from the government or do we listen to legal advice, which is coming from the court that the government is no longer acting within its powers, that point Israel may reach, and it, it, it is in a way a civil war, though it hopefully won't involve people shooting at each other. But if you have a situation where it's unclear what is the source of authority in a country, then it is, it is at least uh, on the brink of civil war. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, 
Times contributor in Jerusalem, Anshul Pfeffer. The producer today was James Shield. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by Tom Birchall. If you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.